Welcome to this special edition of Movies for Dumb Guys. I am your dumb guy host, Joe Johnson. And joining me is Tim Williams. Bad luck to kill a seabird. <laughs> Andrew Walker. Yes, hello. And Denver Roshan. Hello, everybody. How's it going? And on today's episode of Movies for Dumb Guys, we are going to look back on the year that was 2019. Uh, I want to remind everybody that, at least with my list, this isn't necessarily the best movies that came out in 2019. These are my favorite movies uh, that came out over the past year. So you might take issue with my list, but I stand by it. Um, So to get things up and going, uh, I'm going to start off with what I decided is my favorite movie of 2019. Now, Denver, you and I were talking a moment ago. Nothing really stands out as, you know, the, the standalone best movie of 2019. You can argue which one rises above the rest. So, like you, as I was putting a list together, things kind of got moved around. Some things got moved up. Some things got moved down. Um, but after it's all said and done, the movie that had the biggest impact on me... Um, the one that I was just obsessed with. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. I'm in my office. Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> oh, the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? The ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I absolutely love this movie um, because it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. You go in with certain expectations, and I think he used that to his advantage. I think he toyed with us in this movie because you go in expecting the Quentin Tarantino staple ultraviolence, and there are scenes that kind of set up for that, and you were like, oh, here we go, here we go. And to my shock, uh, it was light, it was fun, it was funny, it was sweet at times. Yes, it eventually got around to the Quentin Tarantino violence, but it was done almost in a cartoony fashion. So this was the most unlike Quentin Tarantino uh, Tarantino movie that I've seen to date. Um, and I love the imagery and the attention to detail and how he played loosely with history and did his uh, Tarantino revisionist history with this movie. And I, I loved it so much. I've, I've visited filming locations and I saw it four times in the theater, once at Tarantino's new Beverly cinema uh, in LA. And I've since bought it on Blu-ray, watched it twice on Blu-ray and all the bonus features. Uh, so hands down, um, this is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, Tim, where, have you seen it? And if so, where does it rank on your list? Uh, yeah, of course I've seen it. Um, 
I it, it comes in at number three for me. I kind of I think I did myself a disservice by only seeing it the one time because the whole time I had expectations of where it was going to go, and I was wondering how they were going to get there the whole time. So I didn't give myself a chance to really enjoy it because in the back of my head the whole time I was like, well, how are they going to do this? How are they going to handle where you think it's going to go? <laughs> I mean, I should have known better, but um, so I didn't really get a chance to really – absorb everything the way that I probably should have. I didn't get a chance to just sit back and 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 enjoy it. Um but um you know I I do plan on getting it on on uh Blu-ray or or DVD Blu-ray. But um I, I really think <clears throat> Quentin Tarantino expected people to come in with knowledge of the real life events and I think he used that to his advantage. So yeah, how do you feel knowing the actual history? How did it how did it affect your first time experience of watching it well i mean that's that's what i mean yeah uh, the whole time i had it in my head that it was going to get to the manson murders right and uh and and, and of course i thought there would be more manson in it <laughs> but uh which but you know i'm glad i mean like you guys said it was more of a, a, a comedy at the end at the end of the day right um and and then even but but one thing that was great probably the most brutal uh, violent part of it got like almost a standing ovation in the theater <laughs> so, and laughter and laughter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Tarantino is like a master at, at that making the most violent things laughable. Yeah. And uh, so, no, I, I, I do like it. Like I said, it's my number three, but I just, I mean, I had to like go back after the movie and think about all these things, but I didn't really give myself a chance to just sit back and enjoy what was going on because I was expecting it to get, like I said, yeah. get to the murders and uh i enjoy it more and more upon each viewing uh, you just I, see I could, new I things see yeah, yeah i mean i definitely yeah. need to see it again so thanks yeah. for the invite <laughs> <laughs> andrew how does uh, once upon a time in hollywood rank on your best of 2019 it's number four for me um i i've only seen it the once on opening night but i absolutely loved it and like like tim said um i did I, when i told family and friends at work as I didn't say anything about the play I said this is the least Tarantino movie yeah it but not in a bad way at all it's just like we mentioned a couple months ago when we talked about it it's uh it's his most um or maybe only like good-natured movie mm-hmm. right and like you said it's a, at times it's kind of sweet um but I told people go into this movie with no expectations of anything mm-hmm. just go and take it in as you go I didn't say that oh, there's not much Manson. This movie's just obviously just set against the backdrop of that, sort of like uh, in a lot of Coen Brothers movies, there's an event that's in the backdrop of like, uh, Oh Brother, Art Thou, The Depression, mm-hmm. or um, uh, the bowling movie, uh, I forgot what it's called. Lebowski? Lebowski, yeah. uh, the, the first Gulf War. So I, I tell mm-hmm. people it's not a Charles Manson movie. Yeah, it's a it's it's a Hollywood movie. Well, that's the challenge I think that Tarantino faced is those who knew the history were probably afraid to go see it. Like I don't want to expose myself to that, and and I think whether you knew the history or whether you whether you didn't know the history, I think that led to different experiences in the theater um, because you go in with certain expectations if you know the history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the revisionist history that yeah. that happy ending. Spoiler alert. Um, and I have to imagine that the friends and family of Sharon Tate and the other people that were massacred 
had to have watched that movie with a tear in their eye, thinking only if, only if sure. things would have turned out this way. Sure. Denver, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, man, this Manson murder scene is really going to kill the buzz <laughs> of this movie. Because, you know, it, like you guys have been saying, it was just such a great time at a movie. Um, and so that almost made it suspenseful. It's like, okay, when is this going to kick in and get nasty and violent and disturbing? And, yeah, thankfully he didn't. And, and like you said, he really held back on the violence. So. At the end, when it does kick in, it really packs a punch. It's like, whoa, that was awesome. You know, yeah. you were waiting for it, you know. And uh, and I will say one thing. I disagree in the sense that, you know, you guys are saying it's the most un-Tarantino movie. To me, it's kind of like he took all the cool things from his movies and, like, merged them. Yeah. This almost feels like a last movie in a lot of ways where he's taking a little bit of the revisionist history from this movie and yeah. a little bit of the 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 two bros chit chatting and hanging out from Pulp, Pulp Fiction, yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and so while it is yes uh, the the lightest and the the most comedic movie, and so it does feel fresh and new in that regard. To me, it felt like this ah this great reward for Tarantino fans. You know, if you've seen all of his movies, you can kind of see oh there's a little bit of that from that, and you know. I don't know if they're Easter eggs necessarily, but just different themes and and things that he does. So uh, I put it at number two. Number two on my my list. Yeah. Now, one one criticism I read on Twitter um, about the movie is someone said uh, uh, Tarantino's uh, using violence against women women as a punchline, and I didn't see it like that at all. These were psychopaths. These were murderous psychopaths. Who changed the the feeling of L.A. in that time period? Like they they ruined everything with what they did. And to me, this was Tarantino's way of expressing his anger at what these psychopaths did. And so mm-hmm. I don't look at it as violence toward women, even though it was very uncomfortable to see what happened to the characters. But I didn't see it that way. This was Tarantino lashing out, thinking only if things had gone a little differently. Mm-hmm. And also you mentioned you brought up uh Charles Manson. There's a deleted scene on the on the Blu-ray that shows Manson when he visits the house. There's a, an extended scene where he talks to I guess you could call him the landlord of the property and he's looking for Brian Wilson and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I got this song I want to play for you." And the guy basically dismisses him and says, "Look, I don't want you bothering these people again." So this deleted scene sort of sets up his whole motivation for doing what he did. That's that's true. It, it is. That is. But I'm 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 a little disappointed that Tarantino chose to cut that scene because yeah. in the movie that was the impetus for what Manson did, and I'm a little surprised it was cut out. I know the movie still pushes three hours, so something had to go. Mm-hmm. But I was a little surprised that scene. Had to go in it, and it really kind of gave us some insight into Manson and the fact that he's he's was crazy at the time. Just just real quick, I just remembered when I first saw it too. My criticisms of it were there was scenes originally there was scenes that just kind of meandered and scenes that I didn't think really needed to be in there, mm-hmm. like when Rick Dalton was it who's who's the not not the main guy, but uh, well, well when one of them was just driving around the car. Cliff. In the car, listening to the music. Yeah, Cliff Booth. And then, yeah. and then, even when she goes and sees her own movie, but 
after I thought about it, I was like, well, he's just trying to emulate a 60s movie because, you know, a lot, a lot of the 60s movies that I've seen, which are mostly horror movies, have a lot of that in there yeah. where you, like, watch it and you're like, man, 20 minutes of that. Because <laughs> nothing really happened. And I think he was but, also just showing off the set pieces and creating a vibe of that era yeah. by what it was like to go see a movie in a small theater at that time or driving down the neon-lit Hollywood Boulevard. I think it was just him creating an atmosphere, which I enjoy. And you appreciate those moments upon repeated viewings. I, I, I love, not only in this, but in other of his movies, especially in uh, Kill Bill, that, that shot behind the driver's, you know, the back of the driver's head, and, you know, just like kind of and weaving through the road. Yeah. We saw that in I, Kill Bill, yeah. Yep, I love that. It's, yeah. uh, I think of his previous work, the one I think has a similar vibe is is uh, Jackie Brown. I feel like Jackie Brown had a very similar vibe to Once Upon a Time. Well, that was another time. hangout movie where exactly. a lot of them just sitting around. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it was an L.A. set movie, right. so, you know, has, yeah, strong... Strong similarities there. All right, so that was my uh, favorite movie of the year. Shocking, considering when you think about what the other movies that came out in 2019, uh, this one surpassed it for me. So let's get to that. Let's get to the popular stuff, the stuff everyone you know talked about this year. Uh, number two on my list is. Some people move on. But not us. Not us. These visuals are all. God, seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave. Became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. If you haven't figured it out, this is Avengers Endgame. And I really enjoyed it. Um... You know, people say, oh, you know, it, it provides, what's the term, fan service? Is that the term? Mm -hmm. Where it does a lot of cool things to appease the fans. So I don't know if I liked Endgame as much as I liked Infinity War because Infinity War was such a shocker, mm -hmm. and it had that shocking ending, and then everything sort of gets remedied in the sequel. So the sequel didn't have the impact that Infinity War had, but I thought it was a nice way to tie up a, a, a decade of Marvel movies that all started with Iron Man, and I thought it was it was fun, and, and there were some shocking moments when Thor went for the head. Um, but uh, I think this is a movie that uh, a lot of people will remember 2019 for was uh, Endgame. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of that clip that I played, Tony Stark says, seems like it was a thousand years ago. Seems like Endgame came out a thousand years ago. It's, <laughs> I had to double check. Was that this year when it came out? Um, but I really enjoyed Endgame. Uh, one of our uh, colleagues calls it End Lame, which uh, <laughs> surprises me because um, I didn't think it was that bad. I enjoyed it. Um, Tim, uh, your thoughts on Endgame and where did it fall on your list? 
I'm right there with you. I got it at my number two spot as well. And um, unfortunately, like you said, I only saw it the one time. I, I have not revisited it on on home video or anything. But um, and I did not go and home video, and I did not oh, go yeah. see it VHS. And it, yeah, and I did not go see it again. But um, and I did have plans to, but I just never got around to it. But yeah, just to be able to wrap everything up the way that they did, give every every character a good send off and a, and, and a good moment. Um, with all the characters that they put in there and all the movies that they've done building up to this. When I first heard that they were going to do this, I was very skeptical, and I think they really pulled it off. And, um, you know, DC is trying really hard, too, but, but they're, not, they're, <laughs> they're not living up to it. But anyway, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I read comic books as a kid. I had some Avengers comics, so... Um, you know, I was excited that they were going to do it, but I, I didn't think they'd they'd pull it off the way that they did. So, yeah. Um, now, any any movie that revolves it. around time travel, there's going to be plot holes. There's <laughs> going to be questions. And, yes, there are lots of questions, lots of plot holes. I think some mistakes were made and maybe not very well thought out. Captain America, wink, wink. Um, so there are some issues, there are some problems with it, but overall, you know, the question I always ask at the end of a movie that I see is, was I entertained? Kind of like in Gladiator, were you not entertained? If it entertains me, I'm happy, and I thought Endgame was entertaining. Andrew, did that make your uh, top ten list? Uh, yes, uh, number eight for me. <clears throat> um, I, I think I, I, I structured my top ten a little differently. I, I tried to go for what I thought was technically the best, movies rather than the ones that were my favorite that's your prerogative but but i mean so i could shuffle this around a little bit i loved i loved the movie a lot i saw it two or three times you know in the theater um i agree with you that infinity war is a little bit better because of the stakes at the end um yeah this is a lot of fan service but i don't think that's a bad thing here because sometimes with fan service you could be like oh well uh, that's all. It's it's too expected. Um, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I it was captivating. I loved the time travel stuff. Um, I I have no complaints about this movie at all. I I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Denver, I'll go against the grain a little bit in that I actually thought Endgame was far superior over the uh, Infinity Interesting. War. Interesting. All right. Just You're because, the first person I've heard say well, that. Well, because to me. You know, when the uh, the big shocking end came, I was like, okay, another Marvel kappa where they're going to just bring all their characters back to life. <laughs> I was like, oh, brother. Um, and so maybe because of that, I had lower expectations going in for Endgame, and uh, I loved it. I thought it was flawlessly executed. Uh, I had it originally fairly low on my list, and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, honestly, what was the most fun that I had in a movie theater this year? And it was hands down. It had to be Endgame. I mean, when, you know, uh, Captain America grabbed Thor's hammer, the crowd was, like, going crazy. That might be one of my favorite movie moments oh, of all absolutely. time. Absolutely. All time. Absolutely. And, then, and when uh, Thor's like, I knew it. Yep. Exactly. And so and there was just so many moments like that, you know. When the, they open the portals and all the heroes come flooding in and, you know, and then you, you cried, you know, when Tony dies yeah. and, 
you know, it was just such a roller coaster of emotions. And I think, like you guys said, there were so many characters and plot strands and 10 years worth of movies to kind of all wrap up and tie together. I thought it was awesome. So that was my number one movie of the oh, year. Wow. Hands wow. down, no comparison. Yeah, wow. yeah and, and the, I think the one advantage that Endgame has over Infinity War is, like you said, at the end of Infinity War, we all knew that a sequel was coming, and we knew that there was an out. So in Endgame, there was real loss. There was a sense of loss. And, High stakes in that one. And I went in yeah. not knowing who was going to survive yeah, that movie. Neither. And so every mm-hmm. loss was a shock to me. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of weight uh, to that movie. And you put those two movies together, Infinity War and Endgame, if you watch them in one sitting, might be a little long, but I think it's it ranks up there among the greatest comic book movies ever made. For yep. sure, 100%. So, yeah. It's, got it. yeah. For, it's, it's up there for me with um, Dark Knight in, yeah. in terms of comic book movies. Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. All right, moving on to number three. Some might find this surprising. Those who know me might not find it surprising. There's number three. I guess I should have looked at these trailers ahead of time. <laughs> a lot of heavy breathing there. Yeah, that was me. Sorry. A lot of these trailers are heavy on the visuals. I think she might see a TIE fighter in the distance. TIE fighter? Yeah. For the hearing impaired. Or not, for enough. the visual up there. <laughs> we'll describe it. Here comes the TIE fighter. Lightsaber in hand. Fight. Every generation has a legend. Sound effects of all time. Somersaulting over the TIE fighter. All right, let's get out of that. There he is. Um, so... Having seen uh, The Last Jedi and being incredibly disappointed, uh, I went in with very low expectations to see The Rise of Skywalker, and I was thoroughly entertained. Again, were there plot holes? Yes. Are there unanswered questions? About a million of them. But the bottom line is I felt like a 10-year-old sitting in that theater, like I was seeing Star Wars for the first time, enjoying the imagery and the callbacks and um, the unfolding, uh, the resolution of the, the Skywalker saga. And uh, at the end, as the credits rolled, uh, I had tears in my eyes. I was happy. I was sad. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Now, when I got online, got on Twitter, started reading the fanboys' criticisms of the movie, I was shocked at the outrage that people had saying, you know, J.J. Abrams ruined my childhood. And I was like, what? Did they see the same movie I saw? And one guy went as far to say, if you didn't like The Last Jedi, you're not a true Star Wars fan. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I grew up with these movies. I, was, I saw them in the theater when I was a kid. 
And so how dare you say I was not a true Star Wars fan? I liked Rise of Skywalker. I actually feel like if I was to revisit these Star Wars movies, I would watch The Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker back-to-back and leave The Last Jedi out. Uh, I don't own Last Jedi on video. I don't care if I ever see it again. Um, I liked Rise of Jedi, or Rise of Skywalker far more than Last Jedi. Uh, Tim, did uh, Star Wars make the cut? <laughs> yeah, uh, this is my number one. And, um, yeah, just like just like you said, I I was very disappointed with The Last Jedi myself. And I, when I started seeing the the uh, reviews, like the Rotten Tomatoes score, like at, at first, like the reviews on Twitter, because the people that had seen it early, they were they were all high praise. But then I started seeing the, the, it just go down and down and down. So then I was like, oh, okay, well, Last Jedi had such a high score on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe this is a good thing. Yeah. And so you I went in nailed there, it. So I went into it with a pretty open mind. And again, much like Avengers, I mean, he's wrapping up nine movies that span over, and, and even more if you include the offshoots, but um, that that spans forty years. Right. And a, a lot of people, I, I mean, I think people our age understand probably a little bit more. People that like grew up with the original movies, um, you know, the the ones that. And, and and honestly, I I didn't really see any um, legitimate criticisms. Right. That I mean, it's people that don't like it. And and what it seems to be to me is the people that were Last Jedi fans. Right. That seem to hate this movie, but can't really come up with a reason why besides fan service. Right. Who cares? I mean, what? I, God forbid a director should like hand out dole out the fan service. I mean, especially in a movie like this, it, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, but I did. I will say this: after I saw Rise of Skywalker, I watched The Last Jedi on Disney Plus, and I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it as much as I did. So I think The Rise of Skywalker actually makes The Last Jedi a better movie. Myself, I'm losing easily number one. I mean, roller coaster of emotions, like Denver said about Avengers, but definitely in this one, um, just like you, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I was sad and happy at the end, but um, but yeah, I, I, I think J.J. did uh, a great job. I'm, One big question that I'll I would have liked to have had answered was how did Maz Katana end up with Luke's lightsaber mm-hmm. from The Force Awakens answered, that, that they never did answer, but yeah, I, I can live with that. Maybe they're going to answer it in a comic book or something. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, after seeing Rise of Skywalker, I sat there thinking, I don't know if I could ever trust Rotten Tomatoes again. Rotten Tomatoes, its critic score is 55%, which is a Rotten Tomato. Yes. Audience score is 86%. How can you be that far apart on this movie? I know. That's shocking to me. So I don't know if I can go by what the critics say anymore because I went in there, like, expecting to hate this movie, and I really enjoyed it. Andrew, Star Wars. Um. My ranking, as far as best movies, it's number seven. But in terms of favorite, in terms of favorite, it's got to, it's got to be up there, tied with my, my two top best movies. Um, like you guys, I've my whole life have been a huge Star Wars fan. Um, but unlike most people, 
I equally love, not equally, but pretty closely love all three of the new movies. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to subvert expectations sometimes. And yeah, Last Jedi wasn't perfect, but I, there was something about it. It's like, you know what? I, 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 it was, it was, it was just different. And I don't think different is bad. And I don't think movies have to 100% be fan service all the time. Oh, sure. I, you know, it, it kind of, it, it, I, I, the only thing was I wish they wouldn't have killed Luke. Uh, and he was a little dark. <laughs> well, but, that, that's the biggest complaint I have about Last Jedi. Luke Skywalker's my childhood hero. Sure. And I know Obi-Wan went off to be a, a hermit in the desert, but did Luke have to go off and be a secluded nut job on an island? Like, he's my childhood hero, and... Even Mark Hamill has said he wasn't real happy with yeah. the direction that the character took. Yep. That's one of the reasons I find it hard to watch that movie is Ryan Johnson didn't get the character, in my opinion. Uh, though I that character did get redeemed a little bit um, when... Is it okay if we talk a little bit of spoilers? A little bit, movie? sure, yeah. I think that's to be expected when we're looking back on the um, game. Ray throws the lightsaber into the burning TIE fighter after she comes back to, uh, what's it called, Atchitu? Yeah, island. yeah. And his hand comes he out, it, which is the says, first time we've seen that go, the Jedi spirits can interact right. with the which real I, world, which I thought was really cool. That well, part. Yoda did kind of blast the tree with lightning bolt. And, yep. Yeah. So that's yeah. yeah. But anyway, sorry. I saw uh-huh. that as a complete f you to the very opening scene on Ash Two, where he throws the lightsaber over his shoulder, which yeah. I did not like that. Right. It kind of set the tone as like there's a little bit of f you yeah. going on. But like like I said, I I like I like both movies, but for very different reasons. Now now for Rise of Skywalker, I loved it. For me, it hit all of the emotional tones, um, mm-hmm. just like a Endgame, you know. And like both movies, they packed a lot of stuff in in the two and a half hours. Yep, a lot of stuff. The the only thing I could think of is the only criticism criticism I have is the pacing was a little too fast, and it seemed like. Oh, well, we just got to this planet. We got to find this. Okay, well, we got to go to the next planet. Yeah. To me, it seemed a little too much, almost like a video game. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Um, and I thought, well, uh, JJ had a Herculean task of wrapping mm-hmm. this thing up. Think about the pressure that guy was under the last two okay. years. All in all, I was very satisfied. I've already, I've seen this movie three times already. Oh wow! And that part where. Uh, I guess you could say Kylo Ren becomes Ben again. Yeah, talking to somebody. Spoilers, I remember. Uh, just, just, just talking to somebody. I, I did have a, a little bit of tear in my eye at I that know. part. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Denver, your thoughts on the rise of Skywalker? Um, not to beat a dead horse, but uh, you know, if we're gonna re, we're gonna dip our toe back in the Last Jedi territory. I actually think that's a a, a better-made movie than The Rise of Skywalker. Now, yeah, people can disagree about what was done with the characters or whatever, but to me, The um, Rise of Skywalker, it just felt like there was a lot of scenes that were deleted, so things didn't really make a lot of sense at times. And then, like Andrew said, there's a lot of scenes where you could tell they were rushing through it Mm -hmm. uh, because they were trying to cram in a lot. I actually read at one point that 
they were trying to do split the last movie into two parts. Oh my god! Because wow. there was so much yeah. that, that they been... were trying to cover. Wow. Hey, keep your fingers crossed. One day, and see, maybe we'll get that. To me, that <laughs> would have been. I, I would have been, you know, in heaven if that if yeah, they had done that. Yeah. Um, you know, because when I first saw Rise of Skywalker, the first half I was kind of like. Huh, this is it. This is the movie that's wrapping up 40 something <laughs> years of uh movie dumb here. Um not that it was bad. I was just kind of like kept waiting for the good stuff to really kick in. Now, in the second half, it did in a big way. Yeah. I mean, uh <laughs> like Tim was saying, all the emotions were there. I mean, it was excitement and the effects were amazing and you know, tears and laughter, you know. Uh, so that's the second half of Rise of Skywalker would be my first movie, my you know my number one movie of the year. Um, but because of that first half, and there's so many unanswered questions like, how exactly did the Emperor survive and yeah. build this enormous fleet? You Underwater, know, like literally. <laughs> yeah, there was just and all, and all the Sith. Where, yeah, were the people on this Star Destroyers there the last however many years? <laughs> yeah, they were yeah, just yeah. waiting underwater. Mm, come right. on, hold let your us breath. Out, let us out. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, lots of unanswered questions. You know, but I mean, there's so many great moments uh, in the movie, and JJ had a much more difficult task of trying to wrap up the whole saga. Yeah. You know, so I think even though you know, The Last Jedi might have been like a, a better made movie as far as, you know, the, the plot holes and things like that. Um, it wasn't uh, doing as much or trying to bite off as much as they had to do with Rise of Skywalker. So, um, right. And think about the corner that J.J. Abrams was painted into. In, in The Last Jedi, Carrie Fisher passed away before the movie was released. There's, there's a scene in The Last Jedi where her character could have died. Yes. And that was their out. They could have said, okay, we don't have to worry about what we're going to do with Princess Leia. And then I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, comes flying back. And I'm like, what are you What are you doing? Now J.J. Abrams has his third movie. He has to go look for unused Carrie Fisher footage from the second film, which I felt was a bit of a distraction in, in, the, in the Rise of Skywalker because you know that she's gone, so you're sitting there going, Oh, that's clever how they brought her back. Yeah. And you're you're not in the story. They they should have g- taken that out in in the last Jedi and not have to worry about that. Uh, I disagree with you there, but that's, yeah. that we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on that. I think I have an know. answer to all these questions, and it's real simple: the Force. <laughs> <laughs> May the Force that's all you be need with to know. you always. All right, we'll we'll. I think we need to revisit the whole Star Wars thing in a so future So that was my podcast. number five movie, by the way. Number, number five. five. Okay. All right. So I still loved it, but just not as much as the other. So the next two movies on my list kind of jostled back and forth. I'm like, which one do I want to talk about first? And my love of this trilogy forced me to make this number four on my list. What's coming? Mr. Witt broke the rules. I trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, 
Um, I am such a huge fan of the John Wick movies, and John Wick 2 ended on such a great cliffhanger that I could not wait for John Wick 3 to roll around, and it did not disappoint. Now, is it Oscar caliber? No. Is it fun? Hell yes. It is so much fun. These movies have been such a blast. Keanu Reeves has been so great in these movies. And just when I thought... This was a perfect trilogy, and they can end on three. What do they do? They go and end on another cliffhanger, setting up John Wick 4. But um, John Wick 3, Parabellum, was, uh, ranks up there among the most fun I've had in a the movie theater. Just watching this mindless stuff and the respect that some of the bad guys had for John Wick and vice versa. And I, I just I love these movies. I can't get enough of these movies. Uh, Tim, how, where did uh, John Wick rank? Uh, nowhere, because I haven't seen it, and I still oh. have not seen number two yet. I oh, lo- my God. I know. Get out. I, I know, no, no. I loved the first one, and I planned on seeing the second one, and I just never got around to it. And I would have gone and seen the third one, but everybody's like, no, you should probably see the second one before you see the third oh, one. Oh, definitely. So that's where I'm at. Andrew? Unfortunately. Uh, it does not rank on my top ten, but if I were to probably do a top 12, um, I love this movie. Like you said, it didn't quite make the cut. It's uh, not Oscar-worthy, but, man, it's, it's for an action movie. It was awesome. Very definition of popcorn movie. You sit yes. there munching on your popcorn. <laughs> and I guess I'm more of a later-in-life fan of Keanu. I guess I, I just wasn't really exposed to his stuff growing up. And when John, the first John Wick came out, I'm like, well, I, well, he had made quite a few stinkers in the past, but... <laughs> Like, I hope this brings him back. And now he, he's doing another Matrix. He's doing Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. And he's so back, I, baby. I'm extremely uh, happy for uh, Keanu. And the more I read about his personal life, he seems like like the coolest, nicest guy. Yeah. And I'm extremely happy for him. These movies are nonstop action. Remember the scene when they're uh, – I don't remember if it was a museum or what the building was, and they're throwing knives back and forth. Yeah. It got to the point where people in the audience were, were you know, laughing a little bit. Oh, sure. And like, this is so ridiculous. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of the time, these type of action movies can just be so horrible and cringeworthy. Yeah. But I, I love these movies. They're surprisingly good. Yeah, like the, the one scene, he's fighting two guys at the same time. Yeah. And they're like, oh, so this is the great John Wick. He's a little slower, you know. <laughs> and, and they have him on his back, and the two guys are hovering over him with swords. And they extend their hand out. Yeah. Said, "All right, you know, take a breath. Uh, let us know when you're ready. It's just an honor fighting you." Yeah. That's what I love about these movies. There's like this respect, you know, and and oh, it's and so much fun. And they 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 straddle the line of of good hard action, but they don't take themselves too seriously. Exactly. And That's if they did, yeah, they straddle the line. And I'd have to look up who the writers and directors are, but they all three movies were. We're great. Yeah. 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 Can't wait for the next one. Yep. Denver, you a John Wick guy? I am. I'm a fan. I've seen them all three in the in the theaters. And uh, when I was pulling my top 10 list, I kind of made a list of all the movies that I really liked. So it was probably about 25. And that and John Wick 3 was definitely on that list. Did not make my top 10. Ah, okay. It just felt like more of the same. Yeah. Which is still good. That's, you know, I, I'm an action fan uh, as much as anybody else. And 
like that sequence when he's on the motorcycle. I think they were going over a bridge or something. Yeah. It was just mind blowing. I was like, you know, I had to go and, and see how they did it afterwards. <laughs> and you couldn't tell it was all this computer effects and stuff. It looked like it was, you know, that they really did that. I mean, it was, uh, it was flawless. So great movie. Uh, just not, not quite good enough for my top 10. One of the first images to hit social media when they were in production at John Wick 3 was him on horseback. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I got to see this. Like, just that image. I was like, John Wick on horseback, like, being chased by motorcycles and stuff. Like, all right, uh, you got me. You got me. You had me at hello. So, all right. Now, number five on my list, and then we'll go around the table. Uh, This is the most recent movie I saw. Even though it came out around Thanksgiving, I just got around to seeing it this past weekend, and it blew my mind talk about having fun in a theater this is old school fun i suspect foul play and i've eliminated no suspects i'm detective lieutenant elliott and this is trooper wagner we just want to ask a few questions we understand the night of his demise the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday how was it, by the way? The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. <laughs> We're talking Oscar caliber performances. Mm-hmm. I think a contender for best picture. Um, the cast was amazing. I mean, the cast reminded me of like the 70s when they would get like a bunch of big names all in one movie and everyone who came on screen, I'm like, Oh, look at that. And I went into this movie, not knowing much about it at all. So everything was a surprise and every twist and turn I was riveted. And the audience seemed to really like a lot. When you think about the fact that this movie has been out in theaters for a month, the theater that I was in was packed to capacity and they applauded at the end when the credits rolled, uh, this movie through word of mouth, has gotten a huge following, um, and I, I think I'm going to predict uh, Oscar nominations for Daniel Craig as the inspector uh, or the private investigator. Uh, and this woman that I've never seen before, I, I want to call her a newcomer, but I don't know if she is, Ana de Armas as Marta. She had a spectacular performance. Yep. She was great. And um, and Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, <laughs> It was a pleasant surprise. Michael Shannon. And written and directed by Ryan Johnson of Last Jedi fame. Mm-hmm. So I posted on Facebook that I almost forgive him for Last <laughs> Jedi after seeing this. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, check it out. You will not be disappointed. Keeps you guessing until the very last moment of the movie. Uh, Tim, have you gotten around to seeing this one? I have not. Um I saw the trailers and I heard good word of mouth in the beginning about it and I wanted to see it and then I saw who the director was. So, <laughs> so I did not. But I will see it now that you guys are saying this about it. Um, I, I will check it out at yeah. some point. It reminds me, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Thin Man movies with William Powell and Myrna Loy where he's this private investigator is hired to solve these crimes and then at the end he gets all the suspects in one room for like a dinner party and then he kind of explains what he's discovered and reveals the killer. This movie reminded me of that old-fashioned whodunit murder mystery. It was so much fun. Andrew? It's my number one. 
Number one. Look I at that. absolutely love this movie. And I can tell you, Ryan Johnson's movies that are not a franchise movie, the movie <laughs> where he completely writes and constructs from the ground up, yeah. Looper, Brothers Bloom. I haven't seen Brick, his first movie, but that's, those that's Looper. That's one. I need to see that. Hmm. Um, Looper completely blew me out of the way. Uh, the Whatever. Blew me out. <laughs> blew yeah, me out of my seat. I, I am a Looper fan. That was, no, so, that's a great one. I would highly recommend seeing this. I will. I will, I will definitely excellent. check it out. Um, and it makes you go look back a little bit at The Last Jedi. And this is just my opinion because I do like that movie. He's a master of, 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 of suspense and trickery and twist. So with that in mind, it, it, it kind of helps me appreciate The Last Jedi more because like, that's, that's who this guy is. He loves, he loves to subvert things. He loves to trick things and twist things. And I love that. Like you said, the ensemble cast was phenomenal. It was. Chris Evans playing against type in this yeah. was, was awesome. That the new girl you talked about, Anna Diarmas, the only time I had seen her before, she plays the um holographic girlfriend in Blade Runner, the new okay. Blade Runner. All right. And man, she's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and she was great. And yeah, that's that this movie is so to me it's so airtight and everything gets talked about. Yeah. I, I've only seen it once, but I didn't see any holes in it. Yeah. I you know, thinking back, it. there's not a wasted shot. A wasted line no. spoken. Everything means something. Yep. And that's that's what I loved about it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a long movie too. It's like a lot of movies we see today. It's <laughs> it's pushing, I think, two and a half hours. It did not feel like it. But it felt like it was sixty minutes long. It's efficient and everything. I, yeah, that's it's my number one. That's all I can say. Yeah. Denver, <laughs> did you get around to seeing Knives Out? Yep, I did. I liked it a lot. It did not make my list, oh. however. Um, Your top ten did wow, not. It, it was me. it was maybe in the top fifteen. Yeah. Um. So I, it was up there. It was in consideration. The, my big issue was yeah. it was really kind of like the old Agatha Christie movies from the seventies, where mm-hmm. they, it's the same thing. You take a a uh, stellar international cast. You put them together in a location, and you know it's not a train; it's the old family house. You know, um, you bought it in the eighties, right? <laughs> so you know, it's kind of. I love the acting. I love the. I loved everything about it. You know, uh, it just to me, it just kind of felt like just a rehash of something cool without really doing anything super crazy or new or different, you yeah. know? Um, and there was one part, like once you, without spoiling anything, once you think things have wrapped up, then there's like this, they add this little twist on to it. And so at that point, it start the movie started to kind of drift and waver a little bit, hmm. got kind of got off the rails. Then it kicked back in, you know, once they revealed that big twist, hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, so close, but no cigar. I'm really hoping that this is not the last we've seen of Benoit Blanc, uh, the Daniel Craig character. I want to see him come back. I want to see him solve more crimes. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that character. One of my yep. favorite characters of uh, 2019. I agree. All right, so that's my top five. Let's recap Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at number one, Endgame, number two, Rise of Skywalker, number three. John Wick, Chapter 3, Number 4, and Knives Out, Number 5. Uh, we'll throw it over to Tim. Is there anything in your top five we have not 
gotten to yet. Yeah, so my number one was Star Wars. My number two was Avengers Endgame. And then number three was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So my number four is Dr. Sleep. Um, and I will just say I am not a huge fan of the original Shining. It's it's okay, but it's not my favorite. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but it's just never been one of my favorite movies. I, I mean, I know a lot of people are, like, huge fans of it. So originally, I don't even think I was planning on seeing this, um, but it, it, it got really high review. I mean, it, it got really good reviews. I, I don't remember if I like saw the Rotten Tomato score, or whatever. But anyway, I was like, uh, after I saw so much positivity about it, I decided to go see it. And I will say, <clears throat> it's about two, I don't know, two hours twenty minutes long, almost two and a half hours long. It went by like that. I mean, I kind of, I could have gone pee in the beginning or not, but I, I decided not to, and it was just like, boom, it was over, and I, I didn't really think about it. It kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, For someone who, I haven't seen it, I know nothing about it, is it a reboot of The Shining, a sequel no, to The Shining? Is it about the a, making of The it's Shining? It's a sequel to The Shining, and it was actually a book that Stephen King wrote. Um, it's about so, the son Having yeah. grown up oh. so he's, as an so adult. So he's now grown up, and he's kind of dealing. He's an alcoholic. He's kind of dealing with um, Daddy know, the, the childhood trauma. And that's, of, of, uh, Ewan, that's the, McGregor. And it's Ewan McGregor. Um, the the bad guys in it, I, I, I loved. I, I don't remember seeing the female before, but she was fantastic. In it. He's I been in the last a couple of Mission Impossible movies. Oh, yes. okay. Oh. All right. So, yeah, I mean, it was just like every layer – of this movie that just, you know, got unpeeled. I was just like, I mean, it, really, I, I was just like on the edge of my seat. They do recast some of the original um, characters. And, I mean, you're taking a risk there. And I thought they did a fantastic job with that. Um, I, I just, I mean, I just really like it a lot. And hmm. I just saw that they're putting out a three-hour version, director's cut, and I can't wait to get it. Oh, wow. Andrew, did you get around the same Doctor Sleep? I did not. <coughs> um, it came out at a time when I, I just I didn't have time to see it. Um, I wanted to, um, like Tim. I'm not a huge fan of The Shining. I think it's probably my one of my least favorite Kubrick movies. Um, and I'm not a big horror genre fan. Um, but from the reviews and from a couple guys at work that saw it, I I will I will. Run it on, on on Blu-ray. I love Ewan McGregor, um, so I'm, it's it's gonna be a renter. Hmm. Yeah, Denver, to get around to seeing. Uh, you Dr. might not Sleep? believe this, but uh, Doctor Sleep is also my number four movie of oh, the wow. year. Wow, I awesome. loved it, and I'm uh, I'm sensing a trend here, but I love The Shining. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. So for me, uh, there was high high expectations. I was expecting this movie to deliver, and it did. To me, it's the perfect way to make a sequel where it's totally different from the original movie, but it builds off, expands. It actually kind of retcons a few things because uh, in the original movie, uh, the, the Jack Torrance character that Nicholson played was very different from the character in the book. Uh -huh. And so uh, Stephen King famously hated, hated the, the, the Kubrick version. Yeah. Um, and so this movie kind of goes back and kind of explains a little bit of, a little bit more about the father. Um, but really, it's a whole new story. It, it's done in a totally different style and manner. 
um, but it's 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 amazing. So I cannot recommend it enough. And I'm also anxiously awaiting the three-hour director cut. Do you so. recall if this has the Stephen King seal of approval? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that was one of the things that uh, that the director had to do was go back and tell Stephen King that yes, we're making you know uh, a movie out of your book. But we're really also making a sequel to the movie that you hated. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why there's a little bit of that retconning in there to kind of, I think, to appease Stephen King and those fans of the book. Well, I wonder now, having said that, I wonder if this is necessarily a sequel to the movie or a sequel to the book. No, no, it's very clearly it's a, sequel a sequel to, to the, the movie, movie. Okay, because yes. they return to the original hotel. I see. It's yeah. got the same carpet. And like Tim uh, said, they recast. A lot of the the main roles to look like, you know, the original actors in the okay. movie. So interesting, and they even use some of the music cues and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and, so. and I and I think he did try to shoot some stuff, a little Kubrick esque. Oh some, yes, somewhat. Much. But it more reminded me of like an '80s Stephen King movie mm. than anything. The way that it was done. Mm. I mean, it was just kind of like the deliberate pace of it. And I mean, that's Kubrick esque also. But but yeah, just. Uh, I, I just highly recommend it. Also, <clears throat> okay. but, uh, I was surprised at how much I liked. It. But it is a it is a legit horror movie, so for, I could see why you know it didn't do all that well at the box office. Is I would I would rate it more as a thriller. See, that's how I look at uh, the Shining. I don't I don't look at the Shining as a horror movie. I look at it as a psychological thriller. I mean, there's a couple mm. horrific scenes, obviously, yeah. but I but overall, I would still I think I would classify it as a thriller myself yeah i mean to me the original shining is one of the all-time great horror films it has all the horror iconography the blood coming out the the ghosts the you know the rotting old lady in the bathtub you know so there's yeah but it's not a slasher movie i mean that's right. the difference you know? yeah yeah so all right what's that number five tim uh, my number five was uh, one that I was kind of on the fence about seeing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of what DC has done in their superhero universe <coughs> since they decided to try to go the Marvel route. So they, but but with this, they kind of went off in their own thing. It's not necessarily part of the big picture of what they're what they're doing, and it is the Joker. Yeah. I um. <laughs> here's my thing. I, I can't comment on whether or not it's a good or bad movie. I boycotted the movie. I protested the movie. Why? And not and not for the reasons you might think. I am a Batman guy. I grew up with Batman. I love Batman. And when they announced that they're doing a standalone movie on a Batman villain, I was mortified because, in my opinion. The bad guy has to face consequences in a movie. And Batman and Joker are like two sides of the same coin. One created the other, and some say the other created the other. Um, well, there's still they elements need each of that. Other. Yeah, but they need each other. They need to play off each other, and the bad guy needs to face consequences. Um, I, don't, I have no interest in seeing a standalone movie about a villain, whether it's Lex Luthor or anybody... I'm not interested in the villain as a standalone movie. I need the yin and yang of Batman and Joker. So that's the main reason I protested it. Um, well, so okay, to me, me, to me, this is more like a. I think DC had um, 
as far as the comics went, they had their own kind of like different universe that like Sandman and all that stuff was in. Um, Vertigo. This is more like a Vertigo or like a Elseworlds type thing or, or like a what if type thing for Marvel. Um, that I think that that's what it is. I, 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 I think it should have been left as a single movie and they're talking about doing a sequel to it, which I don't agree with. But I mean, it's more just about, you know, it, it, it's like a different take on what could have created the Joker. And um, I thought it was very well done. And, and again, I wasn't planning on seeing it, but I went in there and I, and I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. Hmm. I, I hate even saying enjoying it because it was it's kind of a downer. I mean, right. it, it really is kind that of a kind downer. of and it's, it's a complete one hundred percent. But I'm a, I'm a huge I mean I'm a huge taxi uh, ta- tra- yeah. taxi, taxi driver. driver fan. I love that movie. Yeah, and and this was heavily influenced by. I mean, the director yeah. made no bones about it. He said he was heavily influenced by yeah. by Taxi Driver. So. But that's the thing that scares and me a little bit. Is Taxi Driver inspired lunatics to commit acts of violence? And I was afraid the Joker was going to do the same thing. I was afraid that these incels and these morons were going to embrace the character and go, see, see what he went through, I went through. Well, so they have embraced the character for right. sure. And I think, sure. I think it's irresponsible to shine a spotlight on that and excuse that kind of behavior. But well, that's part of the reason Excuse why what going. kind of behavior? Yeah, though. it doesn't really do that, yeah. though. I mean, that's <laughs> the beauty of the film is that it, it presents a world uh, where those kind of people are created. You know, they they don't just come out of thin air. It kind of shows, okay, why do people turn violent and mm-hmm. lash out? And so it did that in a pretty masterful way. But, yeah, it's just so grim and depressing. And the other issue I have is, is Heath Ledger's performance on The Dark Knight is one of the greatest performances in a comic book movie or movies in general in my lifetime. And I feel it was a slap in the face, like, to follow up that performance with a Joker movie so soon, even though what it's been 10 years maybe, but I don't know. There's just a lot of issues I have with this movie. Andrew, uh, what are your thoughts on Joker? I agree with Tim on this. It's also my number five. Oh, wow. I Like you, I've been a huge Batman fan my whole life, but when I heard they were doing this and that Joaquin Phoenix was in it, I'm like, I'm curious, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, a lot of people wrote bad stuff about this movie before even seeing it, mm-hmm. which is what I had a problem about. I I don't get the criticism of of people saying that it excuses um people like this people who have serious like mental health issues and abuse issues. I think that's and, only coming from people that haven't seen the movie. Right. Um it 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 tackles pover- themes of poverty like uh like I said abuse uh all sorts of things. Um I don't think it excuses it at all. It just kind of explains, like, this is what happens to people. It's definitely uh, the exact opposite of something like Endgame. It is not a comic book movie at all. You right. can't you can't go into this thinking, oh, this is the Joker of Batman lore. It's it's just it's it's not really that. It's it's its own self contained. Why not? Why not just create a new character, a new movie, and and okay. have those same? Because they themes. wanted to make a shitload of uh, a <laughs> load of money. Sorry, which this movie right. did. I think it's over two billion, right? That and it's that's, made. That's why, of course. And so that's why they used the Joker. Yeah. You could have easily have made this exact same movie, changed the guy's name and the yeah. the gimmick. And I and, probably would have been there opening weekend, but yeah. I, I don't know. I I think this is. Uh, what 
maybe a little bit of Scorsese or a little bit of Paul Schrader uh, influence. A lot of it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I huh. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna make uh, any bones about it. I absolutely loved it. If it snags yeah. some Oscar nominations, I'll probably check it out. Um, you know, it seems like Joaquin Phoenix is a front runner for best actor, I, or at I, least in the in consideration. I think he. I'll probably see it eventually, yeah. but I'll be kicking and screaming. <laughs> before, before you get to Denver, I just want to ask something because another, a lot of the criticisms I saw were how violent it was and how violent it was. Yeah, there was maybe two violent scenes in the whole movie. And it's nothing worse than anything else that's out there. Yeah, that's that's true. It's I think just it's, it's just not, done so realistic. realistic well, and that's the thing. I think people are saying it was ultra violent for a comic book movie. And when you see the term comic book movie, a lot of people think it's geared toward children. But it is rated R. That should take somebody <laughs> off. It's, yeah. it's very serious. It's rated R, but not like Deadpool. It's you know, right. yeah. super serious. Yeah. yeah. Denver, anything you want to add to the joke? Well, my favorite DC movie of the year was Shazam by far. <laughs> um, so this Shazam. did not make my top 10 list. But I will say I did toy with it. It was maybe top 15 um, because here's the thing. It was the acting in it is mm-hmm. cannot be matched. It's unbelievably well acted. The cinematography was mind-blowing. Probably the best cinematography of the year. The music... Hmm. You know, the script, everything about it was so, you know, wonderfully done. My only issue was that it it felt like you just took Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, yeah. and said, okay, let's plop it down <laughs> on top of the Joker story. Um, and so in that respect, it it didn't seem, it for a comic book movie, it, it was very fresh and original and new. But if you're looking at it just a straight drama, which is what I think they wanted you to do, right. it just seemed kind of like a, a, a rehash of a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, like I said, it's just so damn depressing and dark yeah. that I was like, I couldn't quite justify <laughs> putting it in my top ten, but it was close. Yeah, it was close yeah. for sure. All right, so Tim, that was your top five. Andrew, anything in your top five we haven't discussed uh, yet? Yes, my number two's and my number two and three. Number two, um, Midsummer. Now, I haven't seen that, uh, but I've seen uh, comments about it where people were like, they were disturbed by this movie. Is it a disturbing movie? Absolutely. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's why I love it. People have called it uh, The Wizard of Oz for perverts, and I, wow. and I love that. And I, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I like these things that go on in the movie, but it's a big... You're like a perverted Wizard of Oz, eh? <laughs> it's, it is... In my opinion, the most beautifully shot movie. Have you seen it, Denver? I, you know what? That was one of those that was always at the top of my must-see list, and I haven't yet. I, I'm kicking myself for it, not it seeing it. It is by far the most beautifully shot movie I've mm. seen in a very long time. It's very long. I think it's pushing three hours. And there's a longer director's cut. Which I wow. need to see. That seems to be a trend in 2019. A lot of three-hour-long yeah. movies. Yeah, Once Upon a Time it. was pushing three hours. Yeah. I like of it. Endgame, I think, was pushing three hours. Yeah. yeah. For me... Uh, the more the merrier. Yeah, more, more, more movie for my money. <laughs> it's, it's just it's it's described as a folk horror film. Um, it follows a group of friends who travel to Sweden for a festival that occurs once every ninety years, and find themselves in the clutches of a pagan cult. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not going to say much more than that, except it's it's it 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 lulls you in in that it takes place amongst these people who are dressed. And old Swedish folk clothing, and you know they act as if they're living in that time. It's all a bunch of just 
extremely beautiful, sweet Northern European women and men. Uh, every scene has sunlight in it. It's a very bright movie, a lot of bright colors. And then weird things start happening where you look in the background to the trees and the mountains, and everything in the background just starts moving. Hmm. It's very trippy. Um, if you're in the mood for something extremely different, um, I I highly recommend it. I saw one woman commented on Twitter that, some friends of hers insisted that she see it, so she went to go see it. She's like, I don't know if I can continue being friends with these people. Oh, it's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I recommended it to a guy I work next to, and his wife was watching with him, and she said, who recommended this movie? <laughs> don't ever listen to him again. And I, I wear that as a badge of honor, really. <laughs> so, Denver, you never saw Tim? Did you nope. see it? I did not. Um, it was one that I did want to see because I did like the the director's last movie, yeah. Hereditary. Hereditary, yep. But uh, I, I just—it was just another one that I, I got a list of movies that I could make of ones that I wanted to see that I never got a chance mm-hmm. to, even yeah. though I saw thirty movies at the theater. But <laughs> so that was number two on your list, you said? Yeah. I, wow, that ranks highly. And um, what's number three. Number three is Ready or Not, a movie that I not—I don't even know did, what that, that is. That was great. See, I loved it's, it. It's, it's, it was produced by the same company who did Midsummer A two four, but then they've come out with a, little, a lot of good indie films. Give me a synopsis. I, this uh, isn't even on my radar. She marries into this super wealthy family, and part of the, the marriage ritual is you have to play a game, and there's one game in the deck. Out of 30. That, that is you have to kill the, <laughs> the new member of the family. Guess, guess which one she picks. That sounds nuts. This movie was like the biggest breath of fresh air. What? Um, it's extremely underrated. They spent no money advertising it, and... There's nobody really famous in it. It's the exact opposite of Knives Out. You got this crazy-ass family in this big, beautiful home, and someone is murdered. Well, you're seeing them try to do the murder in this movie. So, it sounds crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy, and the ending is nuts. But wow. I highly recommend it. Very gory and disturbing uh, and it wasn't comical. A, uh, yeah, and, uh, it, yeah, a lot, a lot of... It wasn't... Crazy twist ending, yes. so there's... Yeah, this was it. That was in my like maybe, I keep saying top fifteen, maybe top twenty. Right. Um, so that was one of those that mm. I, I, I made that top twenty-five list. That definitely made the cut. Wow. For sure. All right, Andrew, recap your top five. All right, one through five: Knives Out, Midsummer, Ready or Not, Once Upon a Time, and Joker. Interesting. All right, Denver. Yeah. Anything in your top five we have not addressed yet? Only one, uh, and that is. Ford versus Ferrari. That is on my to-do list. I'm a car guy. I know the history behind the movie. I used to produce videos for the Motorsports Hall of Fame, and I, I was in, intimately familiar with the quest to build the Ford GT to beat Ferrari, and I've been meaning to see the movie, and I never got around to it. Um, give us a synopsis. Uh, Outside of what I just said. Yeah, it's, it's literally just that. They uh, get Carol Shelby. Ford wants to win Le Mans. Is it Le Mans? Le Mans. Yeah. I, I don't and, know. Uh, um, so they hire Carol Shelby to build them a car, and then uh, and that's played by Matt Damon, and he brings in uh, Christian, Christian Bale, Bale mm-hmm. uh, to, to drive the car, and there's all kinds of uh, – inner you know squabbling amongst the ford and the the shelby people and i am not a car guy at all i mean i can appreciate a great car you know and i see it but i don't geek out i'm not a gearhead i'm not in so for me to be swept away by this movie 
I was like, wow, you know, that's, you know, to, to make me a car person for those two hours, yeah. I thought that's a pretty rare feat. And it's just great special effects um, with the with the driving and the racing, match with great acting. I mean, Christian Bale, that would be my pick for best actor. Another another Oscar now. I, I would guy. give it, if I yes. had to pick anybody, I'd give it to him wow, for this year. That is just that good. I was really um, hoping to say before tonight's podcast, but um, maybe I'll see it. Uh, yeah, after it's exciting. The it's funny. You, you know, you shed some tears. I uh, mean, and what's amazing is that it's based on a true story. You almost can't right. believe it. You know, yeah. it's, it's so crazy. So yeah, highly, highly recommend that one. That, wow. I loved it. Loved Either it. you guys get around to seeing Ford versus Ferrari. Nope. Mm-hmm. That's on my list of ones. I did not see that. I should have. Also. Exactly. This, this is one that I, it should be on my list, but it's my list is packed with other stuff. Uh, I loved every facet of this movie. There were, there was some really funny parts. Like when they got in the fight, when they're holding the groceries no spoilers, but at the end when Matt Damon is talking to his son, yep. Christian Bale's son, Great. man, it, and all the Detroit and Dearborn references. Oh, sure. Um, these two guys uh, deserve to be nominated, along with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, the two guys from Once Upon a Time, in yeah. my opinion. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, all right, so what we're going to do here, I'm going to – go over my next few movies but or a little press for time so i'm just going to kind of do it quickly and uh these next four movies on my list are like something a 12 year old would put together <laughs> spider-man far from home number six on my movie i think quite possibly the best spider-man movie ever made i really enjoyed it 91 percent on uh rotten tomatoes I, I loved everything about this movie i thought it was really really entertaining and I just think Tom Holland makes a great Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, number seven on my list, Shazam. Denver, you mentioned it a moment ago. Um, didn't know what to expect when I went in to see it. Um, I was expecting almost a kiddie movie, just light and silly and fun. I was surprised by the level of darkness the movie had, which really to me was a pleasant surprise because I was expecting it to be much lighter than it was. I found it really, really entertaining and one of the best DC movies made. Um, number eight on my list, Captain Marvel, I thought was entertaining, but if I were to rank all the Marvel movies, this would be pretty low on my list. Um, and then Toy Story 4 was, uh, entertaining, but unnecessary. I I thought that Toy Story 3 wrapped up a great trilogy, put a tear in my eye. They could have stopped there. And then when they made the announcement, they were doing a Toy Story 4 I was like, why, why? But, of course, it's Toy Story. I went to go see it, and I just, I don't remember ever laughing or even smiling during this movie. I just kind of sat there experiencing the movie and not necessarily really enjoying it. And and so, like I said, I walked away thinking this was totally unnecessary and a really downbeat ending. I was disappointed with the ending. Um, so this is still the best list, right? Well, <laughs> here's here's a little secret. I only saw ten movies this year, and so Toy Story is one of the movies I saw this year. And number ten on my list is actually a movie I hated <laughs> because I only saw ten movies. I hated Us. I'm a big Jordan Peele fan. I loved Get Out. And Us was basically 
here's how I describe us going to a party, getting caught in a corner with a drunk guy who proceeds to describe the weird dream he had last night for 90 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, how do I get the hell out of this? <laughs> when the credits rolled, I'm like, what the hell was that? <laughs> Nothing made sense to me. It was just like a weird dream. So uh, some people love it. I am not one of those people. So uh, that is the 10 movies I saw. I will say that my favorite thing that I saw all year long was not a movie. It was Baby Yoda, The Mandalorian. Yes. Best thing I've seen all year long. Tim, round out your top Well, you know I agree with you about The Mandalorian. Uh, My number six was also Spider-Man Far From Home, the best Spider-Man movie in my opinion also. Uh, the one from last year. The Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse is up there too, but live action Spider-Man movies, uh, it, it's it's number one for me. Yep. Um, number seven, another one that I was not going to see because I normally don't go see WWE movies or movies with The Rock in it, but it was uh, fighting with my family, the story about Paige, um, a, a female wrestler, that, uh, and I had no idea what her backstory was. It's actually based on a documentary called Fighting With My Family that has the real, the real people in it, wow. and, and that is entertaining as well. But uh, I ended up really liking it, surprisingly. Um, my number eight was Crawl. A the alligator a movie? Tight alligator. That was awesome. Yes. Awesome just, movie. Just I heard it was a fun, good. Just a fun... Now that's a, horror, a popcorn horror movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. a popcorn movie. Yeah, and something I mean, you've never seen by, before. Yeah, yeah, it goes by super fast. But uh, but I really liked it the way that it was done. Uh, my number nine is a claymation movie, and the only kids movie that I put on here. Although I do like a lot of them, I just didn't put any of them on here. Uh, and that is the Missing Link, with um, Zach Galifianakis as the voice of Sasquatch slash the Missing Link, and Hugh Jackman as a guy that is trying to get into, like, the Monster Hunters Association or whatever. So he, like, goes and tracks it down. That's Claymation. I, I, I yeah. thought the trailer was looking no, like it's CGI claymation. to me. Okay. That's claymation. the best animated the movie guys. of the year, for yeah, sure. I think so, wow. too. It's the same people that did Kubo and the Two Strings and yeah. um, what, other, what other one did they, they did? They did another Paranorman. One, but, they did yeah. Coraline. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, Coraline was the other one. Wow. And then uh, my number 10 is actually, I had to do a tie here. Surprisingly, Child's Play, and I am not a fan of the original Child's Play, but I really liked this movie a lot. Just oh, a wow. fun horror. I, I mean, it, it was fun. It no, was it was just, a, co- a great of, movie. Great. Yeah. They took I, the premise wow. and they revamped it into a totally updated way that yes. works. Yeah. And, and Mark Hamill did the voice. I mean, you actually kind of feel bad for the for the doll. Um, mm-hmm. Just just redone in a, in a more modern way, and, and I think they nailed it with the way they did it. But they they kind of uh, incorporated modern technology, right? Where mm-hmm. Chucky yeah, is kind of like Alexa or something. or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he can like access. You know, it's like a cloud thing where he can get into the TV and all this other stuff too. All right, um, and and that is tied with Shazam. Shazam number Shazam okay. was oh, just I... like a, another just my favorite, probably my favorite DC movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another great Christmas classic. Exactly. Born. I just made my parents watch it for Christmas, actually. There you go. They, they enjoyed it as well. I was watching it last <laughs> night, and yeah, it was... Uh... It's Shazam, a Christmas movie. Is that a oh, conversation? If, if, Di- if Die Hard is, <laughs> this one definitely is, because this has Santa Claus in it, which yeah, trumps anything times. in it Die Hard. It definitely is. So anyway, that's my top ten. All right, Andrew, finish up your top ten. got about 
15 minutes. Okay. Uh, number six is an indie film called High Life with Robert Pattinson and Juliette Binoche. It's a sci-fi film where they take convicts from Earth, and then they awaken on, on the ship, and then they realize that the scientist played by Juliette Binoche is doing experiments on them. Huh. It's... The it's, trailer looked pretty awesome. Dude, I, it, I did want to see it, but this, I don't think it ever played around here, did it? I I had to rent it. Okay. Um, I highly recommend if you're into weird sci-fi stuff, which I am. Um, this really made me appreciate Robert Pattinson as a really dramatic actor. Like, so have you excited about upcoming Batman? It, it movies? does. It yeah. does. It does. Um, number seven was Star Wars. Number eight was Avengers. Number nine, The Irishman. On Netflix. Okay, now here's okay. I'm glad you brought up the Irishman because that I mean they had a very limited theatrical release, but everyone knows it as a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually shocked that my youngest sister was like, "Have you seen the Irishman yet?" And I'm like, "You watch the Irishman." I I haven't done the Netflix thing. I I don't have Netflix, so I know about it. I haven't seen it. Um, what I've heard is it's really super long, but um, three and a half hours. But do you think? Well, I guess because it had a theatrical release, it's probably going to be in consideration for yep. Oscars. That's, and that's, stuff. that's, that's why, why they, front, that's that's why they do it for yep. sure. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Um, a lot of people say that it is Scorsese's best, which I don't think it's close to uh, being his best. Yeah. But it's up there. Extremely well. Sometimes the the de aging CGI was that a didn't work. Distracting. Yeah. A little yeah. distracting at first. I think yeah. as the film went on, they figured out. As well, there's scenes along. where De Niro's supposed to be 20 years old, and his body looks like a <laughs> he's like all slunched over <laughs> they, with a they, pot belly. They they, they had a, a posture person uh, expert on set to help these guys wow. but, uh, <laughs> with Pacino, uh, <laughs> but excellent movie. Um, let's see, my number 10 is is your least favorite movie, Us. I liked, I really wow. liked Us. Well, up until the reveal of Us, I thought, man, this is one of the great movies oh, it was this intriguing, year. Yeah, and then as soon as they, you know, this underground thing, I was that just was like, that was oh, kind of weird. I, I still, honestly, I I can't tell you what the movie's really about. I need to watch it probably <laughs> six or seven more I times. I don't think I don't think the filmmakers could tell you what no, this movie's no. about. I I. Jordan, I follow him on uh, Twitter, Jordan Peele, and he's retweeted things that people have sent him, like, uh, this is actually talking about uh, the Native American history of America. Mm. So I feel like he purposefully made this extremely weird and ambiguous movie that 330 million Americans would watch it and put their, project their own thing onto it. It's a, a very different than uh, Get Out, which, you know, you knew what they were going well, for Get Out. Get Out. I, even though Get Out had twists and turns, it was kind of a straightforward thriller. Yes. This one, to me, made no sense. How did all these people underground make right. these giant scissors? <laughs> and, and they all had the same outfits. And Well, the what? reveal what? needed to come way earlier in the movie so that you could spend some time actually making this whole thing make any sense. Yeah. Because the way they ended, I was just like, huh, that's it? What? I, I'm still convinced Jordan Peele woke up one morning wrote down this dream he had and then said, I'm going to make a movie of this. It's, it's possible. I'm I, convinced of that. No, that, it was him smoking and token <laughs> and writing stuff down at midnight. Hey, yeah, this is great. My, <laughs> the, the, the two uh, Raspberry Awards, uh, which I dislike the most this year, were uh, Gemini Man and Glass. See, I want to disagree with you on glass. I saw that you would put that on, and I just that that is probably my number eleven. Wow! <clears throat> because I liked the way, because I thought he purposely led you 
in a way, thinking that it was going to be the typical superhero movie, sure. and then it was like, nope. Sure, <laughs> that's what I liked about it. I, did, I, did, I didn't mind the, being a little subversive in that way. I, I, I like subversive, but uh, I just felt like I loved Split so much, mm. and I'm like, okay, let's keep going with this. And I felt like he wanted, he came up with the idea of, of it being a, a trilogy later on, and like, eh, mm. can we capitalize on what I've done before? I don't know. I try. I, I try not to be that cynical. But the movie, it just that's well, not true though. It he, didn't work he, for me. Actually, when he made Unbreakable, that was that was planned to be a trilogy. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. All but, right. But the character from Split was going to be in the original Unbreakable, also. Uh, so okay. Then he kind of went off. That and, makes and me. Well, Unbreakable. technically, he was because he was at the uh, at the train scene. Now they retcon that in there, but. Oh yeah, oh, he that's was true. he was yeah. technically in Unbreakable. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. Because yeah. right. that was my number ten movie of the year, Flash? and that's I oh. I was like, okay, do I need to re- let me rewatch this? Because I was like, you know, it didn't get much love, you know. So I rewatched it just recently to make sure that I liked it as much as I did, and I liked it even more the second huh. time around. I'm, I'm sure okay. if I so. watch it again, I appreciate it more. Um, but Gemini Man that. Uh, Will Smith movie. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah, trailers couldn't, couldn't bring myself yeah. to see that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, see, uh, uh, trailers make or break movies for me. And when I yeah. saw the trailer for that, I'm like, no, I'm not going to waste my $10 on that. The CGI was horrible. Like, yeah. most of the like fight and action scenes, and there's a chase scene, it was all, you could tell it was all almost all digital. It, like, yeah. it looked bad. And I like Clive Owen, and I hadn't seen him in anything in forever. And. He was just phoning it in the whole time. Uh, it, there's nothing redeeming about this movie at all. You know what? I'm, I'm, after you know seeing the trailer for that and everything, here's something that I'm kind of hoping. You guys have heard of this deep fake technology yep. where they digitize an actor's performance from a previous film, and then they can create a new performance based on that. It seems like they should have waited on Gemini Man to utilize that technology. Like, scan- No, they did. Will Smith, the young I, Will I, I Smith, think, was totally yeah. a CGI Faked? creation. No, I know that, but did they use the deep fake technology? Because I'm pretty sure because they sure did not look they convincing. Sc- they to me. scanned him. Well, they probably yeah just cheaped yeah. out on it because I've seen stuff on YouTube this deep fake stuff where I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, yeah. but that's like you know three minutes long. This is a two hour yeah. movie, so I don't think the budget was there. To I think the technology is going to get better and i, I want to see movies like gemini man done correctly where you're like wow how did they do that because yeah. a perfect example is this keanu reeves thing where he's at the liquor store robbery have you seen this deep fake video? oh yeah yeah that's a good and one. i sent it to a friend of mine and he replied back and said wait a second that was not keanu reeves <laughs> like he thought it was keanu reeves that's where this technology is going and i want to see it used in film uh, we only have a few minutes left, Denver. We got to get to the rest of your yes, top my, ten. Yes, uh, my this is kind of the artsy part of my list here. Perfect uh, for movies for dumb guys. That's right. Well, this first one, number six, is a perfect movies for dumb guy movie. <laughs> it's Dolomite is my name with uh, Eddie Murphy I on Netflix. See that so that bad. is one of the that's probably the funniest movie of the year. It I heard was it's great. Good. I loved it. You know, I, I get angry when they they release these movies in such limited release that it's not playing anywhere near me. Just bite the bullet. Yeah. This whole part of my yeah. list is all Netflix Because number right. seven is also a Netflix movie The Two Popes With oh, okay. Anthony Hopkins and uh, 
Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. Uh, and they're he paying... looks exactly like oh my Pope God. Francis. It was awesome. Wow. Now, <laughs> from what I've read, it's almost no basis of reality. It's almost completely fictionalized, but it was still amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I'm not even a practicing Catholic. Um, so go see that. Number eight, another next Netflix movie, The Irishman, which we yep. talked about. I just, to me, you know, the way Mean Streets was Scorsese's, you know, 20-something coming-of-age gangster movie. This is the on-death's-door gangster <laughs> movie. What happens when you were end. that, yeah, yep. and you just have this sad, miserable life if you are lucky enough to live long enough. That, um, that last half hour, it really has to do with uh, yeah. just the end of life. And, yep. Oh, man, it was so good. Such hmm. a good movie. Such a good movie, except for the de-aging. Yeah. Uh, number nine was, uh, and this is where it was kind of all kind of jumbled together, um, but I had to give the edge to Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Oh, people are raving about his I performance. He is so good because what he does is he takes all of the Adam Sandler shtick um, and uses that for dramatic purposes. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who's morally bankrupt, and is, you know, burning the candle at both ends. But he uses this comical facade to kind of make people think that everything is okay. Um, it's one of the most tense, hmm. dramatic, edge-of-your-seat thrillers. Oh, it was so good. That's so on good. Netflix movie, too? No, no that that's, is, in, that's right in theaters now. now. Oh, that's in theaters. Yeah. Okay. So, right. Yeah, but it's, I will say this, I always preface it it's kind of almost in the joker camp where it's just mm. so dark and depressing oh, yeah. at times where it's like Ugh. wow it's, it's so it almost didn't make my list because of that reason um number 10 if tim gets to do a two-way tie um <laughs> it's gonna be glass which we talked about mm-hmm. and then i'll give it to another netflix movie marriage story oh. um with scarlett johansson and uh adam driver, adam driver. Adam driver. i heard it's Thank great you Great acting. It's one of those things where it it feels almost like you're eavesdropping in this world on their lives. It feels so real and intense. Um, Highly recommended. If we're going to talk about movies that are viewed in ways outside of a theater, one movie I do want to throw out is the Deadwood movie. Anyone get a chance to see the Deadwood movie on HBO? Never saw the show. The show is... The series is is in my top ten favorite series of all time, and when they announced that they were going to be doing the Deadwood movie for HBO, I was really excited, and it was very very good. Um, I mean, I, I can see why they didn't make it a theatrical release because it was like a really good episode of the series, and I think if you hadn't seen the series, you're going to come in and not know any of the characters and stuff like that. But uh, if you're a fan of the show, you got to watch the Deadwood movie. Um, so that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, I'd like to come back, um, maybe in a few weeks, talk about your most anticipated movies of 2020. A lot of movies that we may have discussed at the beginning of 2019 turned out to be duds this year. I wanted to see Terminator. That was a dud. That was a box no. That was office. good. It was good. Was it? But it was, it was I, a kind of a box office disaster. It was, I, but it I was liked good. It more yeah. than most people, I, I yeah. enjoyed it. It was the best. Terminator movie, not that that's saying much sense, <laughs> T2. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's worth watching. Well, there were several movies that at the beginning of the year I was anticipating, and then they got such bad reviews mm-hmm. that I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to bother. And that's one thing I'm going <clears> to <throat> remember in 2019 for is just the, the disappointment of a lot of movies that just 
You know what we didn't even touch on are these Disney reboots oh. and remakes. The Lion King action. movie was horrible. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, my, I don't get it. My biggest disappointment was Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, the monsters were cool. The human story was crap. They keep <laughs> going back to the same thing. And also the lighthouse. Um, I really liked the the witch, but I did not like the White House or the light the lighthouse. The lighthouse. I don't like the White House either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our look back at 2019. Uh, when we come back, we'll we'll look f- ahead to 2020, and I'd like to bring you guys back to talk about the Oscars when oh, yeah. they announce uh, the Oscar nominees. Let's get together again and uh, discuss that, and maybe I will have seen the Joker by then and uh, the Irishman and some of that other stuff. So uh, we'll be back uh, again with a future episode of Movies for Dumb Guys. Until then, thanks a lot, guys. Great insight. And uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.